podcast that flips the health and wellness industry upside down so you can be your healthiest inside and out. I'm your host, Dr. Neil Smoller, holistic pharmacist and supplement strategist. I'm here doing a great episode in the freezing cold. I've got a, a, a like an overcoat on here or like a, a sweatshirt, and I'm rocking instead of a wellness upside down t-shirt for you non-video viewers, I've got my Village Apothecary t-shirt on, which is brand new for the 2023, where aging hippies get their drugs. That's our tagline. <laughs> it's a Volkswagen bug with a pill bottle on top. It's got our logo and our colors. It's beautiful. So, you know, you can check that out at woodstockvitamins.com. I think I'll have it up. Uh, ready for sale if you guys want to grab one of those. Today's episode is Dairy Alternatives, the new juice. This is the third and final chapter in our mini-series on nutrition. And in my holistic standard, this episode would be a wellness pyramid episode, focusing again on the nutrition lifestyle domain at the bottom of the pyramid. Visit wellnessupsidedown.com for all things podcast-related, and please subscribe to this show on your favorite podcast app or even over on YouTube. Give us that five-star review as often as you can each and every episode. It helps get seen and heard, and I think the show's worth it. If you're tuning in for the first time, know that I'm a fan of supplements done right. I'm not a fan of deceptive practices of the health and wellness industries. And if I'm ranting, I'm not beating up on you because you've tried something. I'm raging against the machine of misinformation and hype that got someone like you, with good intentions, down that wrong path. Today's show, Dairy Alternatives, The New Juice. You're going to visit drneal.co forward slash dairy alternatives for lots of good reading on this subject matter and, and recipes for making your old almond milk and all the fun stuff that I come up with here today. Most of us understand why a bottle of soda or Sunny Delight can have the same flavor and consistency, whether they're bought in New York City or Wichita. And we need to apply that same logic to healthy drinks, quote unquote, like dairy alternatives. So topic one is wheeze the juice, juicing and how it fits in with its cousins, smoothies and shakes. Topic number two is dairy alternatives, the what and why theory behind nut milk. And now this is clearly a in very intense episode, the, the topics that we're covering, right? Uh, topic number three is juiced up almond milk, how juice, purple stuff, sunny D and dairy alternatives are different flavors of the same junk. I, I, like, I felt like that was a very buzzfeedy thing to say and write. So uh, I don't know, like... It's a crime for the times, the rise and fall of almond milk. I can write for American Greed, my favorite show ever. All right, anyway, let's jump into the podcast today. Topic number one, wheeze the juice. I hope you got that reference. Uh, if for the older crowd, Paul, you know, it's a Pauly Shore reference. <laughs> Pauly Shore was in uh, horrible 90s movies. He was a comedian and he was not funny in those movies. So there's that thing. But I can't, <laughs> I shouldn't beat up on him. He was awesome. Uh, Encino Man is a classic and you, you can't argue with everything else is garbage. But Encino Man, that's what it is. So last episode, we talked about shakes and we talked about smoothies. Remember, shakes were predominantly powders mixed together, turned into a liquid. Smoothies were predominantly whole foods, blended up together and turned into a liquid, and you use them as meal replacements. Well, there's a third stooge to the three stooges of nutritional drinks, <laughs> and juicing is that. Juicing is simple. You just squeeze the juice, not wheeze the juice, like Paulie Shore said, but you squeeze the juice out of a fruit or vegetable, and you would get this tasty, nutrient-rich, usually sweet-tasting drink. And of course you do. You're pulling out the water, the vitamins, nutrients, and those naturally occurring sugars, which tends to be a lot of sugar because, you know, nature's candy and all fruits and vegetables. The part that you're not eating, though, the pulp, 
That's where the real magic happens. That's actually where all the traditional nutritional value comes from. And I wouldn't lie about something like pulp. That would be a pulp fiction. And I wouldn't do that to you. Pulp fiction is important. It's a classic, but it's not something I would do to you. (laughs) This is like corny joke, (laughs) machine gun fire here today. Seriously, though, by not eating the pulp... You're leaving behind dietary fiber and the vitamins and the minerals and the nutrients and even proteins and fats and stuff that are found bound in the pulp. So the pulp is really important from a nutritional standpoint. And I'm not one of those juice haters. Like I'm not like, oh, you know, maybe OJ, He not like orange juice, but Oriental James, he can go away for sure. But like I'm pretty much okay with juice. I, I, I just would say that, you know, why would we make what amounts to a natural version of the vitamin water that like 50 cent was trying to sell, which is sugar, vitamins, and water. Why would we try to do that? We would want something healthier than that, right? We can make a smoothie with fruits and vegetables and get all of the good stuff. You know, the reason that we eat fruits and vegetables is to get at that pulp. That's what we're going for. Uh, That's, again, where the magic is. And, you know, getting that big dose of naturally occurring, fast digesting sugars from a juice without those slower digesting fiber particles that are found in the pulp, it's going to lead to a really high blood sugar spike. And who the heck wants that? And then the crash comes after that. And as somebody who eats lots of simple sugars on a regular basis, I can attest to that, right? Um, You know, thinking back to that eat to fuel your fire nutritional discussion, the simple sugars that we extract when we juice, it's a carbohydrate. So it would fall into those kindling uh, bin, uh, the kindling bin of uh, like in that analogy where, you know, they're the faster burning things. But simple sugars don't fit into the normal kindling, the the healthy looking sticks and like the small branches, the bark. That's good kindling. I'm talking about bad kindling. I'm talking about pine needles. I'm talking about, you know, uh, the the little leaves, right? (laughs) If you light that stuff on fire, you're going to get that really quick uh, lighting and quick burning energy, but you're also going to smoke out the campsite and it's flammable and there's lots of energy there. But it's just burning too quick, and that smoke is bad. Smoking is bad, right? So that's why you don't want to eat juice, because smoking is bad. (laughs) That's what we're getting at here today. So I wouldn't want you to incorporate loads of simple sugars into any part of your diet. It's, you know, you have to make good choices about the foods that you're eating, minimizing those simple sugars, you know, maximizing the complex carbohydrates that are rich in dietary fat whether it's in an individual food or in a meal, which is the arrangement of the different foods. And so here's a mostly not serious question, (laughs) since I've been so serious so far. Wouldn't just eating plain M&Ms, drinking eight ounces of water, and taking a multivitamin be the same as juicing? You know, of course it's different, but it's not really radically different. If you ask one of our dietitian friends that have been on the past few episodes – I want to make the best choice when I walk into a convenience store of what to eat. You know, I'm on the road. I've got to find something to eat. You know, they're going to say 99% of the things that are in there are all the same nutritionally. Simple sugars, processed foods, chemicals, like it's pretty much all the same thing no matter how you dress it up. There might be some plain 
almonds or something like that, which would be fine, but most of it's the same. And that's how I look at juicing. I see it really just as a candy because it's such a high load of simple carbohydrates with a little bit of those nutritional things that are found in fruits and vegetables. So my problem isn't with juicing or your juicing. If you want to juice, do it. I'm not beating you up when I rant about things. Uh, I want to start a fight, though, with team juicing. Uh, my quarrel lives with the quacks, right? My problem is with how it's used by charlatans, juicing this is, or wellness influencers alike to signal quintessentially healthy, right? If you hear somebody say, I'm juicing, you know, I'm on a juice cleanse, right? Those things in our minds trigger oh my God, that's the healthiest person I've literally ever met in my life. And your response shouldn't be that, you know, and I, I'm honest, like I hear that and I hear, oh, that person's trying to be healthy, even though I've just kind of told you it's not that healthy of an option, right? So your response should be the same thing. When somebody says juicing, it shouldn't be, oh, that's healthy. It should be, uh, that's okay, occasionally. And so I, I think that your response really is like the pulp is the most important part and we're, we're neglecting it and we don't want to forget that. So here's my suggestion for how to utilize juicing in your diet. Again, I'm not going to beat up on your desire to want juice. What I'm saying is, is that it's not this picture of health. It's not the most healthy thing you can do. In fact, if you look at the nutrition science, it's actually not that healthy at all, especially if it's done in excess. You're removing that really healthy component. You're eating all the sugars. Sure, you're getting some vitamins and you're getting hydration, but you're not getting the, the you know that real essence of what makes fruits and vegetables healthy. So here's how you can do it. Eat your fruits and vegetables. Have smoothies. Make sure you're getting ample servings of that very important macronutrient and food source throughout the day. And then if you know that you're going to accomplish that goal, get all the dietary fiber you need, then you can have some juice and make it yourself, of course. And we're going to talk about that in a little bit. Make it yourself, but then limit it. Don't have multiple servings of it. Don't have a thing of juice multiple times a day. One serving is enough because remember, it's just too much sugar all at once and it's too many calories for not the benefit that you think it's going to be. Topic two, dairy alternatives. So here's the deal. Milk sucks, cows are jerks, and we need a new drink, and it can't be juice because Neil's a jerk too, and he just ruined that for us, right? So there's no way I'm going to drink water, so what do I do? And I think we've been overlooking something, right? Well, you know how we just eat almonds and cashews, but completely ignored their teats? <laughs> I can't even say it without cracking up. Couldn't we drink that nectar of the gods instead? Um, I am an adult, and I'm not going to sweat the semantics. You know, I get it. We can call these drinks milk. It's thicker than a water consistency. It's rich in proteins and fat. So sure, we can call it milk. I get it, right? And so I'm just trying to be <laughs> silly because we're talking about dairy alternatives. Uh, <laughs> And I'm not upset that we call them dairy alternatives either, right? Like, I mean, I drink milk and I like almond milk. I, I feel like if you call it alternative, you can't have one or the other, you know. But, you know, we want calories. We want protein. We want fat. And we don't want animals to be a part of the transaction. So, voila, dairy alternatives. I get it. So, I do get a little 
nutty <laughs> because sometimes we seem to emphasize the dairy part of it uh, when we really shouldn't, right? And so there is a greedy, corrupt industry that will happily sell us chemical-laden cocktail disguised as natural or fresh in whatever arena that we say that we want it in. And it's that emphasis that we put on the dairy component of dairy alternatives that actually sabotages our own, um, I guess, options, like healthy options. And I'm going to you know, talk about that uh, now, I, I, you know. You know, let's ha- let's have a serious conversation and stop it right a few minutes into this bit. So we drink milk for a number of historical reasons, and some people enjoy the taste or the cost of it. And dairy is a great food choice because of those calories, proteins, fats, micronutrients, the vitamins and minerals, calcium. Right, is a great source of calcium. The problem is though that an almond will have a different nutritional profile from dairy products. That shouldn't be a complex thing. But the products that are available to us are made to be true dairy substitutes. And that's our problem, right? So we can make a similar drink to dairy that scratches our itch, that dairy, you know, scratches for us, right? The, you know, the nuts have fats and protein. So we can tinker with the concentration. More nuts, less water, less, more water, less nuts. (laughs) A tagline for the podcast. Uh, You can change those ratios and get it as close to dairy as possible, you know, by concentrating or diluting the, the, the formula. And that's easy and that's fine. But what about that calcium? That's the important part. That's what a lot of people drink these dairy products for is the calcium content. Well, you know, almonds have calcium, but even at their best, they're going to only have about a third the calcium that milk does. And the problem then becomes what we're looking for. Well, we're expecting that these dairy alternatives are actually dairy substitutes, and we're expecting that amount of calcium to be there. So the manufacturers deliver on that desire for sure. And they do it not by finding some naturally occurring source of calcium. They do it by spiking it with synthetic vitamins, the forms of calcium with poor absorption into the bloodstream, the forms of calcium that are associated with poor outcomes like kidney stones or even hardening of the arteries. That sounds not like fun. And so they're taking these supplement ingredients and pumping them into these things, turning your healthy almond dairy alternative drinky thing into a Flintstone vitamin. And they do it for consistency. If you drink, you know, a serving of dairy, the calcium levels are going to vary. So like they don't really put those things on the labels of like more like natural, I guess we'll say, sources of milk, you know, because the numbers kind of kind of go up and down depending on the day and the cow and all of that stuff. But if you notice, these products that we buy that are dairy alternatives will have a very consistent, very flat number of uh, calcium milligrams in it. And that's good if you're trying to get consistency, but that also kind of signifies, as we said before, uh, you know, the truth is, is that they're adding calcium to it to make that level consistent for people. And we have to understand that this doesn't stop with the calcium or the micronutrients. You know, we're obsessed with trying to make dairy alternatives, exact substitutes for dairy. We want the consistency, how it feels in our mouth to be the same as dairy. We want the protein levels to be the same as dairy. We want the fat levels to be the same as dairy. Instead of it just being, this is almond milk and this is what almond milk is, we're saying we want almond milk to be milk. You know, so I had my staff, one of my natural products advisors, supplement experts, uh, they did a little informal survey. I had them look at 20 different 
dairy alternative products, milk and otherwise, right? Yogurts and stuff like that. They found me 20 different products from different brands, and I told them to make a tally for all the different types of ingredients that are in there, right? And if you're making an almond milk, I keep going back to almond milk just because it's simple, you know, uh, cashew milk is kind of weird, right? But it is a thing. Uh, but, you know, again, almond milk should be almonds, filtered water, and salt, maybe some vanilla for some flavor uh, if you were making your own, and that's how almond milk should be made. And so I'm going to put this chart up on the screen. But, you know, essentially what they found was the leading ingredient that was found in every single product was filtered water, which was great. And then in almost all the other ones, it was sea salt. And then in about half of them, we had cane sugar. In half of them, we also had gums, guar gum, gel and gum, tamarind, xanthan gum. And those gums are made to thicken the product. Half of them had natural flavor is what they said, which is the the thing to make the taste consistent. They have oils that are added to it, and it's not the naturally occurring oils that are found in almonds. It's canola, safflower, sunflower, the the what are traditionally considered uh, RBD oils, refined, bleached, and deodorized oils, healthy oils if you were to squeeze them yourself and press them yourself, but when you use them commercially, they're normally pretty gross Frankenstein fats. Uh, and then the rest of it is just vitamins. So whether it's specific like vitamin A or vitamin D or vitamin E or calcium, uh, they're just kind of plummet, you know, pummeled into the thing. But more importantly, uh, five of the products, uh, mostly the milk products, had pea protein isolate. And why would you put pea protein isolate, which is like found in a vegan shake powder, into your dairy product, and it's because you want to elevate the protein levels that are found in there to make it more mimic uh, the dairy products and on a consistent basis, you know? So I say the more you know. And our goal here then should be to change our frame of mind. We have to stop trying to make dairy alternatives exact substitutes for dairy. And I'm saying that to two different people. I'm saying that to consumers. We ask too much of these things because we're not starting out in the right frame of mind when we're looking for these things. And then I'm also saying it to the industry who serves that quote unquote need and simultaneously creates it. You know, it's kind of like a vicious circle. What, what came first, chicken or the egg, right? They tell us that almond milk should be near identical to dairy milk, except that they're coming from, you know, almonds instead of cows. And so what I would suggest here is that you reject the products that sell that promise you know, these aren't just as good. They're the same. And you you can't engage with that. And so here's four simple rules to get your dairy alternative fix without falling victim to this Franken food in sheep's clothing thing that happens with most commercial dairy alternative products. So one, look for products that only have a few ingredients. Two, make sure that those ingredients are foods and you can easily recognize what they are. And three, look for those added vitamins. If you see pea protein isolate or vitamin A uh, in the other ingredients, then you know that it's being spiked with artificial synthetic supplements. Natural or artificial flavors are a big red flag, point number four. And except for flavored products, of course, like, you know, hazelnut creamers, that makes sense to have them have hazelnut flavor. But if you're looking for something almond milk and it says natural flavor, that should be a sign that the thing probably tastes like garbage <laughs> until they add those natural flavor powders in there and they don't have to disclose what those are. 
So dairy alternatives can be awesome. It's another one of those things, and that's why it fits into this whole conversation. We just have to be careful. Niche brands that produce with integrity, like we want them to and we think that they are, they're few and far between, just like with the supplement industry. And so that brings me to my final point, which is that dairy alternatives share similarities with supplements, but they have most in common with the juice industry. Topic number three, juiced up almond milk. So guess what is super healthy? Healthy foods. <laughs> it's really complicated. But I guess what I'm trying to say is that juice occasionally and dairy alternatives like almond milk can fit into that bin of a healthy food. But guess what's not super healthy for you? Almost every mass-produced commercial product that misrepresents itself as healthy food. And, and we know this. I don't think anybody that engages in wellness practices on the regular will say that processed, fortified food should be a major part of our nutrition. And I would say that we're hip to it, right? We make moves to avoid those types of things. But here we are. $30 billion a year are spent on dairy alternatives. And do you want to venture a guess? to how much of those that dollar amount, that dollar spend is on products that are just almonds, sea salt, filtered water, and vanilla. <laughs> like none. <laughs> so when I see juice, especially in the most, most of the juice that you find in stores, I just see flavored, preserved, dyed sugar water. I see 50 cent going, drink vitamin water. That's what I see when I see any juice, no matter how healthy it, it portrays itself. But it's natural, right? It comes from fruits and vegetables. Look at the label. It's pretty. Most dairy alternatives are in that same bin. It's the same deception. And we could do an experiment right now. Somebody in Montana and somebody in Florida could head to the store, grab the same brand of dairy alternative, pour it out, drink it, and describe the flavor, the smell, and the consistency. So here's the rhetorical questions that you should be asking yourself when you're eating foods. One, how does this product taste the same? as every other bottle of the product. Two, how does it look the same? Three, and how does it stay so fresh, right? No matter where I go, this brand of dairy alternatives is the same. It's because of chemicals, because of flavor powders, because of dyes, because of added nutrients, mostly the synthetic icky kind, and because of preservatives, right? And so here's one more bonus question that I'll kind of throw out there, right? We can achieve all of those goals to make our branded dairy alternative or juice product taste the same and have the same experience, same smell, all that sensory stuff all be the same. But then how do we make it so ours is different from somebody else's that's making that same product? And that's the big question. How does how does this taste different from something else? And, and the answer, the distinction between brands comes because they're proprietary flavor blends, you know, and proprietary uh, moves to create a, an experience within a product. And that means that we've now moved farther and farther and probably the farthest that we could possibly move away from this thing being an he a healthy option for you. Great brands of juice are out there. And great brands of almond milk or cashew milk or any other dairy alternative are out there. But here's how I would solve this problem that I've now identified for you. Do it yourself. Make your own. 
right? I think that if you go to that drneil.co slash dairy alternatives, I've got one simple recipe for do-it-yourself almond milk, and it doesn't have a 15-hour story about how I grew up drinking almond milk and all that other crazy stuff that's on the blogs that have recipes in it that are like three lines, right? Juicing is quite simple. You just juice the thing. You just squeeze it. <laughs> just make sure that you're hitting those dietary fiber goals, uh, and the juice is a small portion of your total vegetable and fruit intake. But you know, the idea here, when you're making this stuff, you want to make it fresh, right? It's going to be the healthiest. And when I tell people that doing it yourself, making your own almond milk, doing your own juicing is a really healthy option if it's done correctly, the number one piece of feedback that I get is ain't nobody got time for that, right? Which brings us full circle to our New Year's episode where all of this current episode trajectory started, you know, the pseudo actions. So doing something, but not really doing something. I was saying how scrolling Reddit, my it fools my brain into thinking that I'm active. And it keeps me trapped in this like mid state of boredom where I'm not super bored, where I would get up and be like, I got to do something. This is like so boring, right? And it just kind of keeps me, keeps me there, right? Right in that thing. It fools me to think of that I'm being productive. So it's a pseudo action. I'm, I'm, I'm doing something, fooling my brain into think I'm doing something, you know, real important, and I'm not. And so if I buy an almond milk, I'm making a healthy choice, right? I'm intending on taking some action, doing something that's good for me. But I'm not exerting the full energy that's required to understand the gap between what I want and what's available to me and what I'm purchasing, right? I'm substituting a product for the effort that's required to go all the way with healthy. And that's an important sentiment that we have to understand. I said supplements, they're not wellness practices. You can't just take a supplement and that's healthy just because it's a supplement. Supplementing healthy choices strategically is a wellness practice. That's something different. And so consuming mass-produced dairy alternatives or engaging in regular juicing aren't wellness practices. They're wellness practice alternatives. If you're like most people, before you heard this podcast, you almost definitely heard of dairy alternatives, almond milk, cashew milk, soy milk, all of that stuff. You knew that you go to the store and you buy them. That's where you get those things from. But you didn't really possibly think much else of it, right? And so the purpose of these three nutritional episodes was to make you rethink old assumptions. We started by redefining the words that we use. And we recalibrated to what actually is healthy and not what we know, quote unquote, to be healthy. Remember, garbage in, garbage out. That system, the health and wellness industry systems, including the food and nutrition industry systems, will output products that sell, not what's best for you, not what's best for society, just what they can move, what they can make profit on, right? And if we want to, at each and every New Year's Day, we can go buy a supplement that promises weight loss, energy, limitless health, whatever. And the system's going to make it if we want it. And it's going to convince us that we need it. And it's going to tell us that it's as good as exercise or healthy eating. And we'll buy it around and around and around and around. So by not being informed, by not being an active consumer, and just trusting the systems, we give away too much. 
not just our autonomy or trust or money, but we're giving away our time, our time on earth. These things could be making us less healthy. That is our only finite resource. That's the thing that we have that is uniquely ours. So we're trying. We're trying to make healthy choices, and these things look super attractive. And if we superficially engage, we get caught up in the wave and get real comfortable with that current. And it takes us far, far away from where we actually wanted to be. So when it comes to eating well, we have to stop playing dietary Jenga, if you recall. We let the media and the chatter steer our priorities. Don't do that. Don't play dietary Jenga. Start simply with the habits of choosing intelligently and the habits of consistency. That's way more important than organic or GMO or juicing or dairy alternatives or whatever. You know, fuel the fire. And, you know, by all means, use those alternative tools. If you need a meal replacement, do it. If you do it, just do it efficiently. Follow the same rules that we do with all of our other nutrition. And even when it comes from a healthy food, it's not always healthy. If it comes from a manufacturer's box or bag, it's probably never healthy. At least not as healthy as we think it is. I think the one thing that comes up whenever I point out this kind of stuff, the flaws in the system, is that People go the easy route, the path of least resistance, and it's easy to shut down. This stuff can feel overwhelming, especially when, you know, those closely held beliefs are, quote unquote, thrown out the window, right? It's easier for us to go, well, I'm not buying anything, and that's not what I'm suggesting, or I'm just going to plug my ears. Like, I, I think this sensation is easily overcome with just taking some time, taking your time, taking the time to make important things important. And nutrition is probably the most important thing that you can spend time on. Plan your food choices, plan your meals, be thoughtful about the things that you put in your body and hold on to that power and you wield that for your healthiest self. So don't let it get you overwhelmed just discharge that feeling and take the time to do it right. That does it for this week's podcast episode. Take a few moments and give us a five-star review. Share the podcast to your social feeds. Visit wellnessupsidedown.com for all things podcast. And remember, being our healthiest starts with being honest about ourselves and the health and wellness industry. Then blazing a new path, marching forward one step at a time. I'm Dr. Neil Smoller, and I've got your back. Thanks for joining me. 